everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 97th episode of the podcast, airing August 3rd, 2020. Now, I'm pleased to bring to you my interview with Washington State astrologer Gray Crawford, who will join me in a discussion on Astro Recap halfway through 2020, where Gray and I check back in from our original astrology of 2020 forecast from the beginning of this year to review the events that have taken place and how our astrological predictions fared within it all. We bring it back up to present day while then spending time diving into the rest of the year and what it might look like now that we have a greater scope of the changing tides that these grand conjunctions have seeded in. So really, part two of 2020 has begun, and it's safe to say that the action is not yet over. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar, or by booking a personal consultation with yours truly, all of which can be done directly through my site over at energeticprinciples.com. Now, one more announcement before we get started here. Uh, I will be joining 18 fellow female astrologers in an upcoming summit hosted by Christina Caudill of Radiant Astrology titled The Astrology of Purpose and Power. Now, this summit is going to be held for free to watch uh, the weekend of August 7th through 9th. So when this airs, this comes out on the 3rd for the public. So uh, this coming weekend, we will be up and live. Um, Well, not completely live. They are pre-recorded. But uh, there are just going to be so many fabulous presentations. uh, And I will be doing a presentation titled Bodies of Light, Defining and Illuminating the Concept of Individual Purpose, uh, where we'll look at that big word of purpose and what that might mean and how to break down uh, and demystify it a little bit and maybe how to find that in the astrology chart looking at the luminaries. So if you want to sign up and join the event, uh, which will be airing free this weekend, August 7th through 9th, uh, you can do so via a link that I will have in the podcast uh details, the description, uh, wherever it is you listen to this. So just go on over to that, register, and you'll be sent all the information you need to know to join us for this event. All right, so who's ready to hear Gray and I do our astro recap? I know I am. So now let's meet our guest. All right. I am so happy to welcome back this week's special guest. We have Gray Crawford with us again. Thanks for joining me, Gray. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, it felt right to bring Gray back because if you uh, recall, if you listened to this podcast for a while, we did uh, an Astrology of 2020 episode um, that aired December 30th of 2019, an epic episode that was nearly three hours long. My computer died on me, I think once, maybe even twice, not sure. Um, We'll cross our fingers this time that that's not the case. Uh, But I thought I wanted to bring Gray back since we're we're over halfway through 2020. Um, and we had a lot to say, so I thought it'd be interesting to do an astro recap uh, halfway through 2020 to kind of say, you know, cover some of the things that we said, maybe like pair it with what actually happened, and then look forward uh, to the next, you know, five months, uh, you know, not in as much detail as we did last time, but, you know, just kind of giving an overview of what, um, 
Yeah, now, now that we know more. Uh, so, Gray, before we get started here, just r- like a really quick recap, just in case people are new to the podcast, uh, let them know, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> Where do you come from? Yeah, so I'm Gray Crawford, and I am an astrologer, and I do natal consultations, I do horary consultations, and my site is Gray Crawford, it's G-R-A-Y Crawford.net, and you can check out my site where I write pretty regularly about at least new moons, full moons, and other things that are on there too. And um, yeah, it's pretty much, I have a Patreon also, if you like my writing and want to check that out, you can also do that. Yes. And Gray's writing is fantastic. Trust me. I highly recommend it. It will, it will make you think. It will inform you of uh, archetype and mythological stories. Uh, it will, uh, it will do things to your mind. So definitely go check out Gray. <laughs> I always think yeah, when I, I think I of do your... things to people's minds, it's a yeah. good, it's a good hey. tagline about me. Yeah. <laughs> That should be under. That should be a top front center of your website. You do have that Mercury sitting on your midheaven, so you do do things to people's mind, for sure. And I always think when I think of Gray too, I think Gray Crawford. Your name is like literally an author's name in my mind. Like if I think of like if I had the literary greats, you know, Gray yeah. Crawford just sounds like it fits right in there for some reason to me. Yeah, someone was just trying to convince me to write a book, so. Hey, yeah, well, at some point. Oh, well, here's your second <laughs> ping from the universe coming from my mouth. Um, so, all right. Well, you know, wow. What? Okay. So I already told people here that, you know, if you haven't listened to the astrology of 2020, you can go back and listen to it. I have it featured on my SoundCloud, uh, December 30th. Go on back, take a listen. It, it is a rather long podcast, um, but the, we shared so many different things in there. And, uh, you know, I, so I guess what before, what were our initial thoughts going into 2020? You know, now that we're, what's, um, how many months? Eight months in, basically, almost. Um, what did you think? What, what were we thinking back then when we recorded that episode? Yeah, I was listening back. I, did, I listened back to it recently. And one thing, I, th- I think one of my images I said was, that's not, wasn't too off, was... Um, something like Kali dancing on the corpse of Shiva. So that, I think that one checked out. Yeah. And a funny one that ended up having a connection to something else I've been doing besides astrology is I had mentioned the, um, the need rune, which kind of looks like two sticks that you rub together and it's sort of, it's connected to the idea of the need fire. And I've been doing um, this ancestral healing course with Daniel for, and then he created this summer ritual course right now that's called um, Kindling the Need Fire because the Need Fire also relates to an old um, tradition around like pandemics. So that one actually what? came back around too. <laughs> so a couple of those things were, I mean, I feel like we had the right kind of idea in, in general. It's just the um, extremity of what happened and how quickly things happened. And we were not talking at all about an actual pandemic happening or, um, you know, world economies all shutting down. That was not something we talked about happening, but we did talk about all these cycles ending and this sort of, sort of like death passage before a birth kind of thing. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, and it's hard to talk about, you know, economic cycles where the, the government, you know, are the economy shutting down because it seems so extreme, right? You know, it's hard to like actually maybe propose those things. I don't know even if it's out of uh, the doubt that something like that could actually happen or the fear of maybe not wanting to say it out loud or maybe just not even believing that that could be, uh, you know, something that actually went down. But that's funny that you said the Cal- the Kali reference, because that's one of the first things you said when we, because what we did in the beginning of that podcast is we spent, I don't know, a good like 20 minutes or so kind of doing an overview of like just at the year as a whole of what we thought um, it might look like. And that was one of the first things you said uh, about uh, Kali and, you know, these beginnings and these endings and the, the dancing on the funeral pyre of like everything that was. And, um, and you really uh, pushing at the beginning, talking the about the tower card too, right? Yeah, the tower card too, exactly. Mm-hmm. And being um, uh, one of the things you said is about being a creative agent of this time, and like recognizing mm-hmm. the creative power that happens when we have such breakdowns. Because I find that you know, as when you are stopped and the wheel is no longer in motion, because that has been, that's happened for a lot of people, not everyone, because there's a lot of people that are still on that wheel. Well, you know, we're talking about essential workers. If any people, some people are working even more, um, to keep things afloat, uh, than other people. So there's, there's a weird imbalance, um, to, to everything that's going on in, in the world, as far as like, um, uh, being able to, kind of creatively step back and reorient your life because I found that I've, I've uh, consulted and even myself, I found myself in situations where you can step back and get creative about where you want to go next because maybe uh, an avenue had been roped off. And I know I talked about this a little bit, like constricted pathways basically for growth. Um, and we're seeing a lot of that because some people, you know, look at people in the restaurant industry. They're like, I don't even know if I, what's the restaurant industry going to look like at this time? Can I be in this anymore? Um, and being rerouted that way and, and being able to create your next, uh, story basically within that where other people are still in the job holding up everything for us. And so I guess it's just a different experience depending on who you are. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that was, a, has been different than I was thinking. I mean, I, I was talking about being, a, being creative during this time. And I don't think that has been impossible. And in fact, for some people, I think it has been a very creative time. Um, but due to the pandemic and certain things like shutting down, I mean, that's that's the part that's really went differently than I would say I was imagining it because, right, like certain people might have had a dream to be doing this restaurant, for example, which has been completely taken away from them. I mean, there's, there's certain things people would have been wanting to do or, um, you know, someone that was wanting to move to a foreign country, they had all everything lined up. I'm going to make this big move. Like, no, you're not, you know, you're not going anywhere. Um, that kind of thing. So there, there's definitely the, we knew there was going to be contraction and constriction. And as we're going to talk about the rest of the year, is very much this um, energy of like extreme heat and volatility and like contraction and things, you know, this great tension of like um, irresistible force, immovable object Mm. kind of thing. Um, 
but the extreme of the pandemic and people getting isolated at home and that kind of thing is a part that really went beyond what I was imagining where there became less options um, for people in many cases. But you're right, for some people in that situation, they have used it to um, come up with something new or um, being stopped from this particular path or um, created the situation where they needed to do this inner confrontation about whatever was going on and which could lead to a change in direction. And um, yeah, I mean, if you have something you're really passionate about creatively and able to work on it, it can totally be working to be doing that. And I would also say that's true as we'll talk about like for the rest of the year. But um, yeah, there's sort of a, which I know some people will talk about with Jupiter and Capricorn anyway, Jupiter and its fall with Saturn there. Um, the Jupiter Pluto has still been, I think there's still been fertility there and there's still been that kind of underworld regenerative fertility. Mm-hmm. And as we talked a little bit about pan before, you know, there's still that quality there for some people. Um, but there's been more of the like options taken away, kind of less resources to work with less choices in some cases, you know, that's been, I'd say, what's what's different than what we were talking about. Yeah. It is so funny, Gray. Right before I got in this call with you, I did a little, like, oracle call, card, like, poll. And the card I got was simplicity. And I've been getting mm. that card so much lately. And, you know, there is a beauty in simplicity when you pull back and you don't have as much options or you realize it, whether that it's through an outside force that you don't con- have control over because that's a reality where, you know, you're forced into simplicity or, you know... Uh, like paring things down, um, but also choosing to simplify your life, which I think a lot of us, um, right as the pandemic hit, I saw so many people giving things away outside of their house. You know, there's mm-hmm. all this furniture. People were it's like spring cleaning took like you know was on steroids basically because everyone was in their house and they're like, what? I don't need this anymore. You know, and um, it's 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 interesting when you sit at home and you you realize oh what is actually important to me you know inside outside with the things around you you know and so there is this uh, simplifying your life type of energy um, that Capricorn's actually quite good at you know what is what is useful to me anymore what do I actually need uh, within all this um, so I think. I love that you said simplify, or because that I think that's a big part of it. Um, but but it's funny too that I, one of the things that I had said in the in our little recap of uh, just the entirety of 2020, I was talking about Saturn um, uh, and all the planet and basically all the planet grand conjunctions happening in Capricorn was going to be this slow and profound process that would feel fast at times, but would be slow in its doling out. And I definitely feel like that has been, you know, because when we got the, the, you know, stay at home order and you're like, what's going on? My whole world is changing in the blink of an eye in front of me. But then it started this whole slow process of, is this ever going to end? Where are we at? Existential crisis of sorts. And so that was, yes. I was looking, yeah, anyway. Yeah, and I mean, and going along with that, there's also been very rapid change in some areas and things happening 
at a very, like you're saying, rapid pace. And one of the things we did talk about, which has happened, has been the fact that we have all these um, cycles ending and beginning at the same time. There's the um, Saturn-Pluto one that began the year that goes back to, that began like in the early 80s. And then there's the um, Jupiter-Pluto one that's happening three times. We've already had two of them. That just goes back every 12 or 13 years or so, but it's still significant that it's happening at the same time that Saturn-Pluto's happening, at the mm-hmm. same time that Jupiter's ending its cycle with Saturn, which is a 20-year cycle, but is actually our full entrance into this um, larger 200-year era of um, the air element and the earth element having begun like in 1802. So, um, you know, this era from the 19th century and earth era ending. And so all of the, so there's been this great confrontation with all these past issues, um, kind of past ghosts. Um, we did talk about with the Venus retrograde. I know we said there could likely be social unrest that went much more extreme. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, just great, much more questioning of, um, systemic racism and, um, even all these books on systemic racism and white privilege becoming like bestsellers. I think at one point the entire bestseller list of books were books on those subjects. So, Venus and Gemini, um, nonetheless. Christopher Columbus <laughs> being beheaded in multiple locations, Confederate statues being torn down, um, and uh, violent protests are still actually continuing. And I yeah. guess now it's not quite as all over the place, but in certain places like Seattle, Portland, it's still happening probably right now as we're talking. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that all is... And and so the second, this part we're coming into, some of that, um, the extremity of some of that was, we weren't really explicit about that, but that was something I was wondering about happening as we got further into this. So that has been one thing I've just been wondering about, you know, where do we go from here, mm-hmm. given what's coming based on what we've, how where we've gone already. But yeah, it's a kind of thing where... Um, Looking back in history to this time period, it'll seem like things, there were a lot of big changes that happened that went pretty fast. And sometimes it feels fast to us, but sometimes us experiencing it, we're kind of up in the middle of it. And it's hard to sometimes get that perspective of what's actually happening because we're, we're you know, right in the middle of it happening. Yeah, you're like mired in it. So it's hard to pull back and be an observer in something that is like, you know, encased all around you, basically. And yeah, I know when I went back and listened to it um, and getting to the Venus retrograde period, and that was the first thing you said, you talked about social unrest. And I mean, I just like, I just sat back. (laughs) I just sat back when I heard that because I was like, boy, did he even know at that time what was going to happen here? And I know I kept alluding to the idea of these retrograde cycles um, of being uh, 
and in the eclipses too of being these passing of the batons um which is kind of like what you're saying here now because it's like when we're you know we have the the venus retrograde period we had the social unrest and the protests um and this whole wave being started but where is it carried you know, where does it go past this point? And like you're saying, I mean, I saw a Vice article today about, um, you know, these, what is it, Trump's secret army, secret police or something like that. I forget what they called it. Yeah, so it that's down. one thing that's, as we're talking right now, that's been a more recent development. Um, so um, we're talking just at the end of July of 2020 yes. right now. Um, so pretty, I'm trying to remember what day that was, but it was definitely in the last couple of weeks that um, I think it was more like mid July, if I'm remembering right, where some of the stories um, was first really surfacing in Portland, but yeah, that federal agents were in unmarked vans and in camouflage and just pulling people off the streets yeah. And, um, yeah. And so these are federal, um, eight federal personnel that are just mixed in and yeah, being on un, unmarked cars and that kind of thing. And, and just in some cases not even seeming to arrest people, just like pulling them in and questioning them and letting them go. And, um, and then, yeah, there are also, you know, previous to that, there were threats by the president to use, um, the actual military on protesters and the very famous um, using tear gas to clear protesters so he could walk over and extremely, almost as um, in such a surreal manner, um, the most awkward possible lifting of a Bible um, that just showed he was sort of like the antithesis of, of uh the teachings of Jesus. Jesus I know. Just, just even the way he even did it was just so bizarre. It was such a bizarre um, photograph, which I'm sure, again, that's something that, you know, we're going to have that image. Right. That's going to live long beyond this, um, this, this time moment. period. Yeah. But that's well, been something. And that's certainly, these are things that go with where we're heading um, with the rest of the year with um, which is involving Mars and the extremity of Mars um, in battle with Saturn and Pluto and Jupiter yes. and, um, the fact that the, um, there's already, um, armed conflict between, um, p- local police and protesters between federal, um, personnel that are kind of being inserted secretively, um, without the consent of local government, mm-hmm. also finding police that there's also um, people organizing militias and guns to counteract people protesting, people driving cars into protesters um, and you know shooting, opening fire on protesters. So there's already all this stuff starting to happen um, as yeah. we're talking right now. Um, 
Well, and so as we're talking right now, we're actually talking on a very, let's say what's going on in the skies right now, Gray, because we have, we are, today is actually the second pass of the Jupiter-Neptune sextile. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have Mercury squaring Mars today. We have the last Mm -hmm. pass of uh, Venus squaring Neptune. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's really significant, and especially in relation to everything that you just said, is that right now uh, we basically have Venus and Mercury, who just left the retrograde shadows, and Mars just entered its to get to starting the whole retrograde process that's coming there. So here we have the that chapter of the Venus retrograde cycle and the Mercury retrograde playing into that. Um, you know, it's fizzling out with what it had started in the social unrest. That was the perfect, um, you know, recipe with the pandemic, you know, because to get to that point, you know, to have people marching in the streets, there's so many things. It's like the thing about 2020 that is so crazy to me. And we talked about this in the original episode uh, was how well everything was timed just in the way things were doling out and dishing out to have, you know, we, like we were trying to imagine what it would look like in our heads um, because everything just, you know, there was no rest. It was just one thing after another, after another. And I remember saying with February, I was like, look at all those sextiles. And you know, that it's probably going to be the easiest part of the year. It was the easiest part of the year because we didn't know what the heck was happening yet. (laughs) And it was like, everything was brewing underground and we were still in motion and perpetuating the bigger story that was going to be at play. Um, So that was absolutely true. But here we have, you know, everything that happened in that earlier spring point to get us to people just being, you know, angry enough about life in general and and just being cooped up and like all the, you know, being cooped up in that oppressive moment that the pandemic brought on, but reminding people of overall oppression and repressed energy that had been, you know, uh, you know, pushed down or underground that just read a breaking point, you know, with George Floyd's death. And then bam, you know, that was the week that, uh, you know, Venus conjunct the sun, Venus was squaring Mars, the sun was squaring Mars, we had a solar or lunar eclipse in Sagittarius, you know, it was the perfect storm that is now taking us to this moment in time that we're sitting at, as we basically enter the Mars shadow and what is dominating for the rest of 2020. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we we did we looked at a good a good time for this conversation because um, yeah, literally today I think the Venus Neptune square happened and the Mercury Mars square happened, and so as you were just saying, like the last part of the year, we had um, Saturn go into Aquarius for a little bit. We had um, Venus retrograde in Gemini that was starts off with it squaring Neptune. And now we've gone all the way through that. Venus has come back to where it pretty much originally stationed and is finishing that square with Neptune. And once Venus stationed direct, um, Mercury was going retrograde with all these eclipses, which led into um, Mercury squaring Mars back and forth, Mm -hmm. kind of similar to Venus-Neptune. And now that's also done. And, um, yeah, we're in the section of the year now where Mars, um, we're in the, the, the shadow zone of Mars. And that's one of the things that's, um, oh, the other part about that was the Venus Mars. Um, so, um, you know, not 
talked about as much because there's so much else going on this year. I think in another year, we would have talked more about the fact that there is this really long extended um, waxing square or first quarter square between Venus and Mars. We had the first one back in um, at the very end of January Mm -hmm. with um, Venus and Pisces and Mars and Sagittarius. Um, they never really quite got to the trine and, um, because of Venus going retrograde, they came back again, exactly. You're saying right when, um, Venus and the sun were together at the beginning of June in Gemini, Mars squared it in Pisces, right when we had a lunar eclipse. And that was exactly what you're saying. The, um, protests, um, over, um, police brutality and um, systemic racism were, were really um, had been really building already going on, but at a pretty extreme um, level at that point, they're happening everywhere yeah. um, all across our country and in other countries. And we're not, we're as, you know, as we talk now about the, where we're going, we're where we're going to come into the final one. Um, so we're going to get Mars going. Mars will now shift into going retrograde and before that happens as it's stationing um venus will complete the last square with mars Um, venus will be in cancer actually venus will be in cancer opposing jupiter saturn pluto and then forming a square with mars and then at the end of mars retrograde we're in november um venus will be in libra um opposite mars and then squaring um jupiter saturn and pluto so there actually is a there's a piece with venus um kind of threading through all this and um for venus and mars have this really long extended uh, waxing square which is a very volatile and i mean it kind of goes with the tower card a little bit and just stuff kind of breaking down and um but again, like we we're talking about being creative, it's sort of a things br- breaking down and, um, you know, the sort of alchemical analogies with Mars retrograde and Venus retrograde um, work well in terms of things, um, you know, kind of breaking down and disassembling or being dismantled to be, um, you know, recombined and reconfigured. So... Um, yeah, it's significant for Mars to end up going retrograde um, in Aries um, in its own sign. You know, Mars is the planet that goes retrograde the least. So its retrogrades are um, very dramatic um, because it's, they're more rare. And we're talking about Mars. Yeah. And we're talking about Mars being at, um, you know, opposite the sun. Mars is a planet that's like the extreme fiery, hot, burning, you know, lighting things on fire planet at its uh, solar phase of extreme heat. And, you know, so it's just kind of the most eruptive thing to have happen. Um, so that, that's why we, we kind of, we're, and, you know, we're at a period, like you're saying right now, where we're kind of starting to leave the, this previous phase of the year and we're entering this um, buildup right now that's going to be building into September. 
Yeah. So it's interesting. And and Venus's dance, oh my gosh, it's so well-timed, you know, there's perfect, like, these are the things that blow my mind about astrology. Um, but yeah, she is, she is part of it. She's bringing the social element because obviously we, we saw that within, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the protest starting up within her retrograde cycle and making that second square, uh, to Mars. And the, the social element is such a big part of 2020 because we are realizing, um, that, you know, and that it has to do with Saturn moving into Aquarius for that, you know, how many, you know, months stay, uh, as social distancing started and, you know, like just, we can't be near each other. It's just, it's a weird, um, we're all coming. We, it's interesting. So many of us have co- are coming together in this big way, yet we have to be apart. There's like this paradoxical situation going on with society and social interaction. Um, in, in many ways. Um, but to have her play into the Mar, the first Mars action that is going to be squaring all the Capricorn and her looking over from cancer, you know, and keep in mind cancer and Capricorn, this is, this is a hot spot area that's been tagged over and over in the last couple of years. You know, we've seen the, the polarity of these two spaces played out, um, in such literal form, you know, like being, you know, the government telling us to stay in our homes, uh, you know, like just being, being separated by your family within the pandemic. Um, and even as we're recording this right now, uh, Mercury is basically, um, well, the sun already started it. The sun has already, uh, you know, cause we're at the point now in, in July where we're getting all the oppositions to the Capricorn energy and the sun, uh, you know, we're under a new mm-hmm. moon cycle right now, uh, where that was kicked off with the sun opposing Saturn, mm-hmm. uh, after it had went through a p- opposition to Jupiter and opposition to Pluto. And now as Gray and I are speaking right now, uh, Mercury is on a course to basically squared Mars opposing Jupiter, opposing Pluto is going to pose Saturn on a full moon that, uh, this actual episode is going to air on. (laughs) Um, and you know, these are, this is the incremental timing that is playing into this larger story at play, um, that is really building not only Mars's story because that combustible energy of Mars in Aries that is going to dish out the actionary responses to a lot of the Capricorn energy that we're going to see play. First, but we're getting all these precursor hits from these other planets that are now looking at dead in the eye through this opposition space. And you know what's crazy, Gray, is when I started to look at the oppositions, uh, that when the sun made them last week, we hadn't been in an opposition since the sun opposed um, Uranus back in like our uh, sun opposed um, Uranus and there was something else, it, but it was back back in November of last year. So it has been quite some time since we've even had oppositions in the sky, other than the lunar ones. And to think okay. about that opposing, you know, me mm-hmm. versus you, lighting up polarities type of energy, and this leading into this period basically that we're talking about. I think that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing then, um, which, you know, things can change quickly, but something else is happening here at the end of July is that the um, pandemic, the, the um, people being diagnosed with the coronavirus are increasing and the numbers have gone back up again and deaths have gone back up again. 
And I want to say that's even in the last week. Yeah. And um, in the United States, there's a few places like Florida and Texas. And is it Arizona? I no. think Arizona's Arizona. up there. California is up there. New York's been up there the whole time. But these other states are now kind of are jumping up to compete in numbers with those other other places. And those were places that were not um, as high earlier on. Um, so, um, yeah, that's something that, that's starting to come back up again. And, um, you know, that's something astrologers, I think most astrologers were concerned about what what could happen in the fall. Um, and I I remember, I think I saw somebody, a skeptical article being like, well, of course the astrologers are saying that because that's what the experts are saying. But I mean, yeah, as we're going to talk about, that is actually what the astrology would would suggest. So well, it seems like it is happening. It seems like it's right now as we're talking. It seems like it's happening. We'll see what happens. Well, um, to me, it seemed like the when we get to basically the Sun Mars opposition because I don't know if I've discussed this with you, Gray. I know I've discussed this on the podcast, but I had been studying the Sun Mars synodic cycle. Mm-hmm. within the pandemic. Um, because to me, that was everything. And everything about the pandemic seemed to be doled out with the Sun-Mars movements, and especially with Mercury played into that, because the Sun-Mars synodic start was at nine degrees of Virgo um, mm-hmm. back in September of 2019 with Mercury there and Venus there. It was a whole mm-hmm. stellium in, in Virgo, basically. Um, and for that particular chart, when it perfected, it had the uh, it had that stellium exactly on the ascendant for Washington D.C., and it ran up into New York. It had it exactly on the descendant in Wuhan, China, because that's just the way our longitudinal um, energy is. Uh, in the world. And then it had it off a little bit off of the midheaven there around Italy and in that part of Europe. Um, and so, and the whole cycle, you know, we started to hear about the pandemic once the sun, uh, uh, and Mars were in a sextile. And then uh, what, what did we see when we got the by the time we got the sun Mars square with Neptune involved, um, and then Mercury doling it out the whole time. Uh, I, I keep saying I just need to do a podcast on this because the timing to me is just so crazy. Uh, but mm-hmm. Mars within it, um, you know, and then think about it happening at in Virgo, you know, like the sign that is related to health uh, and, and then Mercury being that, um, you know, that transmitter in, in, a, a, in a lot of ways. Because part of this was doled out with the, the pandemic itself uh, back with the first sun Mercury Kazemi back on February 25th when it was in its retrograde s- s- space in the fall sign of Pisces. Um, same time that Mars was conjunct the South Node and had entered Capricorn, trining Uranus. And we, were, we had talked about this uh, at that time because I think you said, Gray, you said uh, you talked about Mercury breaking down, blackening and regenerating the Saturn-Pluto alignment while in Pisces. And I'm like listening to what you're saying and just thinking like, oh, if he only knew what he was saying at, yeah. at that point, because that was February 25th was the mm-hmm. actual day that the CDC said that COVID-19 is heading towards pandemic status on the actual day. And that was mer- the day of Mardi Gras 
too, where they thought a lot of people did a lot, you know, the transmission. Um, and so wow. anyways, what I'm trying to say is that there's such a hotbed of energy that's happening in the early part of October that's involving mm-hmm. Mars and especially with the sun Mars opposition while it's retrograde. Um, and while Mars is its closest to earth, you know, that it can be that I think that we're really hitting uh, the head or at least the halfway or a, 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 some sort of pinpoint about where this is all leading. And I don't know if it's necessarily all pandemic related. I mean, it, it's going to be inspired by that. Um, but like you're saying, the, uh, you know, people arming up, you know, where's the, the, the protest leading, where's the, the backlash with, uh, you know, people um, that have things like guns, the police, the, this, this secret, you know, the federal forces, armed militias, you know, people, things like that. I'm just. Well, one thing yeah. too, that's happened. Um, so we're at the end of July again, and yeah. <laughs> at the beginning of July, Saturn came back into Capricorn, um, which started this trajectory of Saturn very slowly coming back towards Pluto, um, you know, which will be continuing through um, September. At the end of September, they're within three degrees of each other, you know, before Saturn stations direct to start pulling away a little bit. But they're, they're coming back again. And one thing we talked about you know, beforehand was um, the shadow with Saturn, Pluto, and um, projections. Um, that's mm-hmm. one of the one of the themes that Rick Tarnas in um, Cosmos and Psyche really highlighted, um, like the scapegoating, um, the importance of doing your own shadow work and exploring your own shadow. Um, the tendency of people to, yeah, like we're saying, project. Um, on doing, doing this othering. And one of the things I think is really interesting is um, this idea of the Nazis and fascism. And it's, it's been recently that I realized that actually both sides of um, the way our country is polarized is actually seeing the other side um, as being Nazis and being fascist. And I guess if, depending on which viewpoint you have, it's, it's hard to imagine the other side. Although to me, it's kind of, to me, it's hard to imagine because um, to me, if the um, president is ordering the military to attack civilians and then using, and using secret federal agents to pull people off the street without being questioned, I don't see, it's hard to not see how the, um, direct um connection there um when there's also a lot of other um racist things happening and white supremacy happening and all these different things but i saw somebody share recently i think it was an article in the american spectator i don't remember who wrote it but he was somebody that was like a federal judge or prosecutor but he was basically writing that um the black lives matter protesters are um like hitler and the nazis and like you know um doing this propaganda to brainwash people and and so does the media and and college professors and how um, president trump is restoring law and order 
And ironically saying, you know, how we just need to crush these people and crush the protesters, you know, they're not going to get off easy for um, destroying this federal property. Um, I guess if to reference some of the stuff happening in Portland, it's been like graffitiing stuff, shooting some fireworks. I guess there have been some things lit on fire. Um, Mars and Aries. <laughs> yeah. It's not that, ext- it's, I mean, it's a little bit, I don't know. But anyway, uh, that was really striking to me because that's when I realized, okay, wow. So even the, the, the um, to me, that's all. I personally, I'm like, I'm obviously, it's good to be open about my political views anyway. That's hard for me to see, but it made me realize, wow, okay, both sides So this Nazi fascist thing is really out there. And I don't know if they're being defensive because they know other people are, are saying that that side's being like the Nazis. And so let's just call the other side it. Yeah. But um, interestingly, the Nazis did rise to power um, in line with Jupiter-Pluto conjunctions. That's something Andre Barbeau um, delineated in a, in a published book. And um, you can, you know, people will trace Hitler to other things but you can trace his rise to power um, through Jupiter-Pluto conjunctions. Mm. So that is something that we can, that's constellated with Jupiter-Pluto. And um, yeah, so that's just another thing of going, what's going on. And um, as Mars, as we talk about things will get more heating, increasingly heated up through August into September and then October, and November being especially um, kind of extreme Mars things happening, that's going to be important to keep in mind um, because Mars Mars going retrograde, there's a lot of things that can happen with it. Um, one thing because of it being so strong at that point um, in this, like you were talking about the synodic cycle, if people have seen like those traditional diagrams of what the synodic cycle is for you know mars is the first planet first uh, superior planet beyond us so when mars goes retrograde it's not like venus and mercury that go retrograde and they go within between us and the sun because they're considered um inferior planets not because they're inferior just because they orbit they're inside they're They're inside inside our orbit (laughs) and mars is the first one first closest superior planet to us so when it goes retrograde um and then when it gets closest to us and its orbit um it's actually opposite the sun and so um you know it's, it's the heart of its retrograde cycle instead of being invisible like venus and mercury it's um rising um as this, you know, as the sun sets, it's rising and eventually we see it. And it's just like this really bright red Mars, you know, that, that's, that's bright and um, going across the night sky um, in its brightest phase. And those traditional synodic cycles, they always show how it's like increasing hot, you know, it's like that, yeah. it's like that's heat um, at that point. And then it tends to shift into dryness then as it wanes, but that hot and dry quality that gets really pronounced then is what we associate with Mars um, as being this extremely hot, fiery planet that kind of um, can burn things down, um, can divide things, severs Mm -hmm. things, separates things. Um, 
that the alchemical analogy we I brought up earlier about you know f- separating the elements down you know to be you can end up recombining them um people also talk about you know mars as um like the forge and reforging things mm. it's like a fiery forge or furnace where you're melting down things and reshaping things and so um when we're thinking about saturn and we're in Pluto, especially um, in Capricorn, but you know Jupiter is also involved. Um, Capricorn being an Earth element, um, this being again the end of this two hundred year era of Earth um, Jupiter Saturn conjunctions. Earth being something that's resistant to change as far as the elements go. Um, Mars retrograde in Aries is this this incredible um, reshaping, reconfiguring kind of force. Like yes, definitely, like you're saying, could be pe- people literally lighting things on fire. But there's also sort of like the inner fire that's going to really be stoked. And so by um, doing that kind of inner work, I think it's going to be really important. So you're not just really impulsive and leaping into th- to conflict that's unnecessary so to be more considerate about what's going on within you in some cases um it's going to maybe be necessary to take action to be protective or be courageous um for one reason or another um however you know just about life when that's not really such a pressing need it's going to be more important i think to do that and kind of internal work and and let this kind of extreme fire that's going on kind of let you see um you know what direction you're going do do i want to keep going in this direction do i need to go in a different direction Mm -hmm. you know what's no longer serving me and my path anymore it's the inner alchemical process yeah so that's that'll be going on too so that's important (laughs) to keep in mind and um that's where the part where we talked about before about being creative and using your creativity can still be very relevant. Absolutely. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Mars and Aries, Aries is a very much an individualistic sort of sign. You know, what, what, what is the self doing and what is it, uh, you know, putting its energy into and motivated to do. Um, and because we've had all these roadblock Saturnian Capricornian, you know, situations arise, um, in our own lives and in the world, because part of everything that's happening, you know, what happens on the collective sphere, especially at the magnitude that it's happening, uh, affects us all individually within it. And so the, this is probably going to be a particular point in time, um, where, you know, because Mars is going to make that opposition with the sun on October 13th. Uh, Interestingly enough, a day after the last Jupiter-Neptune sextile, as Gray and I speak on Jupiter-Neptune sextile today. Um, But, you know, these are days after we've had uh, a full moon in Aries too that happened, you know, like a week or so prior. And so that whole time period um, is, is going to be perfect to reorienting yourself and your drive and whatever you've been narrowed into uh, and whatever long-term goals you have going and how that's recapitulating itself 
versus new information that has come out or whatever you're working on behind the scenes in the retrograde scenario um, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that you found yourself in. And we're going to get a lot of precursors to that in this August space because that's when Mars is going to do, uh, you know, that square dance with the Capricorn planets um, to begin with. Uh, and just to throw some dates out there for people, you know, Mars is going to square Jupiter on uh, August 4th. Uh, Pluto on August 13th, and then Saturn on August 24th. So it's a, it's a well-timed dished out um, throughout all of August. Um, so, you know, pay attention for this month, this coming, well, no, this will air in August, but uh, actually the day before the Mars-Jupiter square. Uh, so pay attention um, to what's really happening at this point, because that hot spot period of early to mid-October can be maybe that forging process that you're talking about or the alchemical mix um, that will take the elements of this time period and then either internalize them some way, rework them, um, and, 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 you know, and get that, because I always think of oppositions as the bird's eye view. So once we get to the Sun-Mars opposition, you know, yeah, it's a polarity, uh, but we're, we, if we rise above it, and I'm talking about from, well, we could do this as a collective, sure. Uh, but as an individual process, we're going to be able to see a bigger picture of everything um, that is going to be at play, I think. And so that's why it's so dynamic of a period. Um, and I love the alchemical process that you bring mm-hmm. up within it. Yeah, so this this will come out at the full moon, right? That's what you're saying in uh, August? Yes, on the full yeah. moon, it's going to come cool. out. Yeah. Yeah, so um, do you want to just run through August really quick, or do you want to just, how do you want to? Yeah, wanna... uh, you, Gray, you lead us in. What, okay. You do <laughs> so it. So um, this is coming out at the full moon. Yeah. So you already mentioned one of the really main things is um, as that, well, actually right at the full moon um, in Aquarius, which is ruled by Saturn, we have Mercury opposite Saturn. So that's, you'd already mentioned mm-hmm. how Mercury's, as we're talking, it's heading into it. But when this comes out, Mercury's finishing that square. Um, I'm sorry, the opposition to Saturn. And so after the full moon um, begins to wane, we'll have Mercury go into Leo, Venus go into Cancer. And at the same time, then um, Mars is setting off all those squares like you were talking about. Um, and then Mercury's just going to kind of whip through Leo really quickly. Yeah. And um, that full moon is squaring Uranus and Taurus. So August has um, this interesting quality where it's, yeah, we start with this full moon square Uranus. Uranus stations um, retrograde mm-hmm. in the middle of the month. Um, at right about, near what, that 10, Mars-Pluto 10 square. 10 degrees of, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. And... Um, yeah, Mars is Mars is moving direct to basically um, square all the planets in Capricorn for the first time, but it is different because this is Mars kind of moving direct. It's still kind of heading towards the intensification of its stationing, um, but it's going to start triggering a lot of these um, dynamics. And then with Mercury and um, Leo, right when Uranus stations, we get Mercury um, going really fast through the heart of the sun at its superior conjunction. 
So Mercury is also really burning off a lot of this past um, cycle. It's ending a cycle, beginning a cycle. And that basically happens like right before the new moon in Leo. So we get this new moon in Leo that comes like right after Uranus stations. The new moon in Leo is basically trining Mars and Aries. Mm -hmm. So we have this like sun, Mercury, trine to Mars and Aries with Uranus stationing. So there's, there's definitely a lot of um, still like volatility and um, things kind of heating up. But because we know what's coming, it's, you know, that might, it's, it's, it's probably, there will be some unexpected things happening. And usually when things, when you've got a full moon with Uranus and Uranus stations, mm -hmm. you know, there's going to be some things we don't know about right now that are probably going to happen that might change the course of some of these events that we're talking about. But in general, there'll be some probably something big Uranian happening, but this big buildup to the um, stationing of, of Mars. And then what happens is Venus is in Cancer. So Venus goes into Cancer after the full moon. And so that's kind of interesting then with this lunar cycle we're talking about because Venus in Cancer is obviously ruled by the moon. And so she's, and you, ha you have a, you, you know, you should probably talk about this because since you have uh, Venus in Cancer, but the, I don't know if you noticed this, but it, it makes me think of how, you know, Venus is kind of being governed by the lunar tides mm. and, you know, it's very sensitive, can be caring and all that imaginative, all that with like cancer, but also, you know, there's this changing. It comes lunar, to the cycles. Lunar, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's that new moon, like we we're talking about, that's kind of coming in, in the middle of the month. But then what happens is, the moon is then waxing, right? It's waxing towards this full moon. It's going to come in at the beginning of September. And as we're heading towards that full moon in Pisces, Venus is starting to hit all these things. So at the end of August, um, right when Mars is squaring Saturn, we get Venus opposing Jupiter, Venus trining Neptune, um, Venus opposing Pluto, and then we get this full moon in Pisces at the beginning of September with um, Venus is, I think, opposing Saturn pretty much right around there, right? Like the next, yeah, pretty much right around the full moon, the day after, I think. So, um, yeah, that really is going, that, v, that transit of Venus with that full moon is coming in right after Mars has first kind of passed through all those placements and is um mm. starting to um slow down to square slow down the station i'm sorry and so at the beginning of september that's when we actually get the final september 4th we get the final venus square mars like right after that full moon so um you know venus and cancer being very um obviously pick, can pick up on all the emotions and feelings of what's going on. It's, it's really going to pull us into that, the dynamics of whatever is building because something at this point is really building with Mars. Um, mm. And so what's really so stunning about Mars retrograde is, you know, one thing it spends like half of a year um, in a sign. Again, it only happens like every 26 months or so. So it's pretty rare and um, when it stations, 
it really doesn't move for a while. So actually I was looking from like basically the new moon in Leo on August 18th all the way through the end of September into the like October 1st. Basically Mars is just in between 25 and 28 degrees of Aries um, that entire time. So, um, you know, it's just not really moving. And that beginning of September and that full moon is with Venus, you know, setting all this off and squaring it. That's, that's going to be when we really start um, feeling this more. And so even though there'll be stuff kind of happening in August and it'll probably seem like a lot, it's actually just sort of building. Building. Yeah. Well, Gray, there's some things. (laughs) There's some, there's so much I can say about what, okay. So first, where do I want to start with first? Well, first I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, um, the conventions are then. So we have the Democratic Convention, National Convention, which was actually moved. It was supposed to be in July, but it, they moved it to August 17th through the 20th, which happens to be when that dark Leo moon is squaring Uranus and then on the Mercury-Sun conjunction uh, there and when Mars is squaring Saturn or getting close there. And then we have the Republican National Convention on August 24th through the 27th, once Virgo season mm. starts. And when the Mars-Saturn square is exact... And, uh, you know, and, and the Mars is actually flowing with the nodes at that point, too, because it's in a position to, like, work with the, the nodal axis. Uh, and that's when Venus is going to oppose Jupiter uh, and Mercury. And what is interesting to me was Mercury was on the Sun-Mars synodic conjunction um, that I was talking about. But also that full moon in Pisces on September 2nd uh, mm-hmm. that you were just, uh, you know, getting into. Um, that's when the Sun makes it back to the position of the Sun-Mars synodic cycle also. <laughs> wow. uh, so I'll, I'll just track that on my own with the whole, like, um, you know, pandemic stuff going on. Um, but really to even pull it back to one of the first things you were saying about, the, um, the, you know, the unexpected twist or you know divine detour that could be uranus stationing we got to keep in mind that uranus stationed back uh you know direct back during the lunar eclipse Mm -hmm. in january we know around january 10th uh when you know saturn pluto was happening uh we had the pile up in capricorn and all this stuff really got kicked up um and I, I do want to say this before I forget because I, I was remarking at what you had said in our last broadcast when you had mentioned um, that Ceres uh, was part of all of this um, because she was mm. caught up in that lunar eclipse action when Uranus yeah, was stationing. Yeah, Ceres was part of it, yeah. Yeah. With it, Mercury and, yeah, it was actually Ceres, Mercury, Saturn, Pluto, or and the Sun, we're all together, all lined up. And one of the things you were talking about was coming to terms with loss and shutting down mm-hmm. productivity and fertility. And I was oh, like, right. boy, yeah, was did he know? Did he even know what he was saying back there? Yeah, um, I've I've really been struck actually that I think Ceres has been really important, not just because of people baking bread. I mean, that's kind of an obvious thing, but yeah, the food production, those things being shut down people talking about strikes um nature coming back this underworld sort of initiation we're all being put through yeah, yeah. that was pretty remarkable when when i was listening to you say that i was like wow did, if he only knew what he, when he was saying that what we were in for and how many of those you know archetypal typical uh 
correlations really played mm. into the whole story. So, so just know that Uranus was stationing around then. <laughs> um, and so what is it going to look like? Cause I find when a planet's stationed to go retrograde, you know, they tend to, uh, introduce to us, you know, these, uh, last, you know, um, these last bits of information or twists and turns, or, you know, this is what it's going to be to chew over this whole time or what you're yeah. going to have to work with. Uh, so, you know, definitely keep that in mind. Is there, any, I was gonna, is there anything with you would say though, about you have, I mean, just you having Venus and cancer that you've thought about that um, in relation to, I don't know. I was just curious. In relation if, to the Mars square or just. Yeah. Venus, well that and the, um, the oppositions. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Venus being uh, opposing all the cap Venus and cancer are opposing Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto and squaring Mars, like as, that full moon comes in there as Mars is stationing at the same time, but just Venus, yeah. Anything about Venus and cancer, just what, what you, how that could play out collectively, I guess, but having it yourself. I know. Well, in talking about the uh, cyclical nature of what that, uh, you know, social element actually is going to look like because of the moon influence, you know, me, mm-hmm. I have it natally with a Capricorn moon and a full moon at that. So I do, you know, my Venus does look across the, the ocean over at the Capricorn energy. Um, and it, uh, it does, it's, it's interesting because of the connective nature that is Venus in Cancer. You know, it's very nurturing energy. Uh, you know, when we think of social connections and, and wanting to, you know, take care of, of other people around you or just, you know, be that binding force. But then when you put Capricorn into it, it's, it's, it's there. Sometimes there's a wall that comes up against that, uh, what you would think would be an innate instinctive response that Venus would go through. Right. Um, and in the position that we're in now, you know, it's, the caring element and the nurturing element um, can, is getting harder and harder when so many people are out for themselves or their own views or their own positions, which you had um, talked about with the, uh, you know, the shadow energy and the mm-hmm. blaming that we're seeing. Um, and then thinking about her squaring into this really strong Mars in Aries um, energy and, you know, how connective can she be? And, and we know that there's not going to be consistency there with the moon doing its thing and being tied into, uh, you know, the Uranus energy that's, (laughs) that's tied in there too. Um, So I'm thinking, and especially cancer just being an energy that is very much associated with, uh, country and where you come from and where you belong um and really holding fast to that and thinking about Mm -hmm. social groups um and and being uh you know who you align with and who you belong with Mm -hmm. um and that being a very individualized thing and so to me i don't know it it could start to even separate that even more with that Aries energy and then looking yeah. across at Capricorn. Like, I don't think she's going to be her great, normally <laughs> connective self. That's a great point that, um, yeah, I think you're right about that. People kind of getting even more um, connected in with their group and the people they're kind of feeling they side with. It, it could just sort of um, exacerbate the conflict that's already already there in in a lot of ways 
but hopefully there's still that that connective hopefully. You know, compassion part coming into you that people can have more and you know some people will be it. that some people will be that and then there's other people that might be this other thing because we we all don't fit into the same box of course and thank mm-hmm. goodness for for that um but that one of the things we have to keep remembering about especially cancer capricorn axis is you know it being that solstice type of energy and in the in the pivot power in the extreme mm-hmm. quality that these signs um can can bring about so that's and that's why we're seeing what we're seeing with all, you know, like just the, all the eclipses that have happened in this area. And, you know, we just went through some eclipses um, and then now we're getting the oppositions and there's just an extreme quality to cancer and Capricorn. And, and it's very visible in these, at this point in time, I think based on just the way all the astrology is lined up. But I do hope, yes, there's some compassion. Hey, could be very creative when we keep talking about this creative energy that if we, like that's one of the things I was talking talked about in the, the 2020 episode was that we're all building these foundations and a lot of us mm-hmm. are doing just that because things got roped off. We're at a new point. Oh, well, we are we're all building a new foundation because nothing's going to be the same as it was before. And if it is, I'd be surprised. And if it is, it's going to take some time to get there. So what does this foundation look like now? And be, having Venus and Cancer, it is absolutely creative and imaginative position um, and having Mars and Aries square that energy, you know, just in your own life, being able to, I always like to use the term imagineer, you know, what, what are you, what, what new landscape, what territory are you pioneering with this Mars and Aries? Because on an individual level, despite what's going on in the world, uh, we're all going to be our own, you know, trailblazers with something because that's mm-hmm. just the, the energy going on uh, and the visionary yeah. quality of that Venus in Cancer, hopefully, um, can add some of that form of the Capricorn with the water and the earth meeting with the passion of Aries to hopefully push forward a, a new form as far as our individual lives are concerned, I guess, is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I think I, I like that. Um, it was making me think about yeah, just with the, the creative part, you're saying how certainly in the world there's going to be a lot of conflict, and we can see how this is all really tying into this big, bigger kind of death, rebirth, old systems kind of falling, new systems coming into place. But on personal levels, um, that um, as so as we're talking here, we're talking about here the first week or so of September. Uh, what Mars actually officially stations on September 9th, but, um, and Jupiter actually stations direct three days later on September 12th. But in this first couple of weeks of um, September, it's, it's really just not moving. And actually Mars and Jupiter are not moving. And um, yeah, there's something about that Venus and Cancer, like you were just describing, um, so Venus, I guess, goes into Leo like right before Mars stations, but mm. in that build up to that, um, I think if you can, because there is, if you can get into a place where you're kind of, yeah, you're kind of protected or kind of sealed off in your home or your vessel or wherever you're kind of working on things or incubating things or, or if you, if you have some kind of personal project or creative project you're working on. Um, there could be some real intense 
um, something kind of being forged there. I mean, all, yeah, Venus being mixed in there, it it does seem like something interesting could happen there. Um, It is interesting that then Venus goes into Leo right before Mars stations. So I guess the one good thing is that Venus kind of gets out of that. But then what's kind of funny is, Venus going Leo just means it's going to square Uranus and Taurus. So you kind of get another thing just kind of happening there where, you know, within a week of Mars stationing, you know, now Venus isn't on the same angle, but then it just like squares Uranus. So it's still a bunch of stuff happening there. And then the new moon. (laughs) Yeah. And the new moon in Virgo is opposite Neptune. What is that? September 17th. Um, that's another thing I've been thinking about, actually, that um, with all the, you know, the f- fake news and people using fake news to be really manipulative, mm. and there's tons of conspiracy theories going around, um, and, you know, people, or people having, everyone thinking someone else has a conspiracy theory. Um, one thing that is happening, besides the U.S. Pluto return, we are also basically having a Neptune opposition because uh, the that same U.S. Sibley chart, I think Neptune's at what, like 22 Virgo or something like that. So um, that's sort of a side thing from what we've been talking about recently, but that's just something else I've been thinking about with like Neptune being basically opposite the U.S. Neptune as we're coming into this, like, you know, everyone's really talking about the Pluto return for good reason, but um that new moon in Virgo opposite Neptune is just another kind of like thing of this polarizing thing. Um, and I think, I mean, the conspiracy, and it's, it's just really strange because even with the conspiracy theories, like there's weird people combining. I've, I've seen people in like the kind of magical, spiritual, esoteric community kind of saying the same thing as like Fox News and President Trump, they're not saying the same thing, but they're even coming at it from like a similar, there's just been weird. And I think, and it's, we were at this point where like, it's so hard to believe anything. And of course people are going to manipulate and use a situation to their own advantage. And we don't really know what's going on. And there's lots of backdoor dealings happening, but I know, I think because people know that it's just all over the place, what's going on, you know? And I think this idea is just getting kind of that new moon in Virgo, this opposite Neptune, they're squaring the lunar nodes in Gemini and Sagittarius yeah. as all this other stuff is happening. It's back it's to just, what's real. It's going to be a crowd. Yeah. Well, in, in, in a wild time. And you are right about that. Great. Cause in the U S chart, uh, we have uh, Neptune at 22 degrees um, of Virgo. Um, but what's mm-hmm. key about the U S chart uh, within that Neptune is that we have Mars and Gemini square Neptune in the U S chart. So basically that new moon also plays into, you know, Neptune, obviously it's opposing the U.S.'s. it's conjunct the U S Neptune deposing Neptune by transit now, but it ties into the U.S.'s natal Mars square Neptune. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's subversive. Oh, good point. Yeah. And, and we have Mars and Gemini information, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what's being said here. Um, and uh, the, what's the greatest at Mars again? Cause you're 21 degrees of, of Gemini. So okay. It's, yeah. It's, so that's perfect. Cause yeah, it's actually squaring the, yeah. So Venus is, 
Yeah, that Venus-Neptune square is right on it too. Right on it, exactly. So that whole Venus-Neptune square paid into our own Mm -hmm. Mars-Neptune square as a country, um, which, I mean, if we wanted to go in that, that might be a podcast itself. That is a podcast in itself. It really is. So that's there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. If if it, other astrologers out there, go down that wormhole because uh, you, it'll take you somewhere. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a good point to uh, you know. And we think of Virgo season of being, uh, you know, getting getting really real on the facts and the details and all you know the mercurial aspects, and then we throw Neptune into the mix, um, and it seems to play into uh, everything that we. <laughs> you know, that we're battling with. And I mean, not the second that we've had this misinformation, you know, what is fact, what is truth here going on for a couple of years now, obviously with the precursor of our leadership and being like, what, how can you blatantly lie about certain things? And, you know, it being, but it just seems to be exacerbated ever since um, the, the nodal aspect, the nodal axis has moved into Gemini and Sagittarius. And so we're on this longer trip about information who's yeah. saying what uh, totally. getting I mean, people to their sides like you're saying like it's almost mm-hmm. like you're like what you're kind of you, you, what you think would be over here before now it kind of sounds like fox news no because we're just we're like just come over here and it's getting extremer extremer you know <laughs> yeah and i mean and I, I i get it from the standpoint where it's hard to believe and and, and of course there's people you know, as we, we also talked about in the forecast with the one manifestation of Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter is definitely like these power structures, um, billionaire people trying to control stuff more and funnel money, you know, and of course, you know, that's going on and, and people are using this to their advantage. But my own personal viewpoint, just to, I guess, get that out there is just that a pandemic from nature is actually a reality that can happen and we're not invulnerable to. And so um, taking the actual um, micro or what's the right word for that? Micro, it's not the microbial. Microbial. Thank you. (laughs) The, as the macrocosm to the microbial cosm, uh, seriously. Right. I mean, that's, I don't know. And we, of course, we don't know the whole story, but yeah, the conspiracy theories have been wild. They <laughs> really people have. are just running at, in all kinds of well, directions. And you know, that's a great yeah. point, Gray, because you think you know, as people, we think well, we're the masters of all domain. It had to have been human created. Someone's got to be up to this. But it yeah. really brings me back to what you said about the first place about series. Right. Being up in the mix, you know, it is quite possible, you know, because especially when we're thinking about like eating outside of our, if it really was, you know, was an animal based thing and eating, right. That's another series, you know, nurture, you know, what we nurture ourselves with the food and we put ourselves in our stomachs. Um, you know, we can't just, and it's weird too because it's another dominating factor we can't just eat everything that's in our way or like you know think it's going to be good for us there can be these crossovers uh where you ingest something that creates some uh, you know back to the alchemical effect <laughs> of like a protein that then turns into this crazy because that's the thing is the pandemic and covid is it's not even a virus per se it's like a protein that gets mm-hmm. in there and like goes you know it's this different type of thing going on um but you know the conspiracy theories are so funny because it's got to be it's there's got to be a person behind this controlling it and and you know world domination 
someone's someone's behind this new world order, right? Uh, but maybe it's Mother Earth. Maybe Mother Earth's like, guess what? You're not impenetrable. You're not mm-hmm. like, <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that makes me, th- and that, so I know we're kind of transitioning here into going into the Libra equinox. Yes. Right? When when things get really, so this is the point where. people get stuff going in the Libra Canox, it's like, it's whatever's going to happen is, is going down um, <laughs> at this point. And on that idea of going down, when you were just talking about that and, and how it could be from nature, I mean, one of the theories has been bats. I don't know if that's still a theory because I've honestly lost track of what scientists actually think. Is, are they still I saying possibly bats? Well, I thought it was that, that the... The from bats pig, or no uh, the bats were in there bats mm-hmm. were in there for maybe a little bit no longer yeah there was something else in there too because there's been some uh cases of uh the plague coming out in like upper mongolia and stuff like that. Okay. there's all types of things going on but they're all all these stories keep to coming from uh people eating these animals that are infested with this thing that's where we're getting it from these unique mm-hmm. there are marmots with the with the bubonic plague thing yeah it was bats and it was that other animal the not the pygmalion i don't know why i'm thinking of that term um mm. the pigol pygolian the pygolian the weird looking kind of armadillo looking like thing okay well maybe some of those animals might still relate so uh one of my friends uh mishu people that are following my blog i've actually used her artwork a few times um on instagram she's the dreaming dreaming canvas and uh when the pandemic was really hitting i used some of her um images on my blog and she was talking to me about bats um because where she lives there's been all these bats coming back and i really liked what she was saying about it was was just the idea that if you know one of the theories was it was from bats and people kind of demonizing bats but what a powerful symbol that is um in terms of bats you know going in these deep um, crevices and mm. caves, you know, kind of from the earth and within the earth, I'm sorry, into like the underworld and how they're also, um, you know, creatures of night um, and how they can even kind of swarm, you know, with like these sort of collective um, bursts and have this sort of collective mind kind of thing happening. And just what a powerful, um, symbol i think that is of nature even if they're not the actual source of the pandemic just that that was one of the ideas i think that got put out there i think still has some symbolic uh, meaning as far as like an invitation mm. that we're being asked to and then and again that kind of goes with this inner work and going into our own darkness and that sort of thing um that we're being asked you know collectively to really go through um and as we go into the Libra equinox which is um in in the northern hemisphere you know this is a time of um increasing darkness um tropical zodiac the sun's going into its fall so Mm -hmm. it's still kind of got this kind of going down um sun going into the underworld kind of um quality to it um think this is where things really get much more volatile mars is is starting to move backwards it's um it's retrograde moving back um it's basically applying to square saturn 
um, and Mercury is um, basically opposite. Mercury is in Libra at this point, opposite Mars, um, square Saturn, um, right at this point. And then we, as um, we go a little bit more into end of September, that's when Saturn's actually stationing direct and Mars um, basically squares Saturn. So I guess it's about a week after the equinox, but that equinox is really building and Saturn's already kind of standing still and not really moving. And Mars is like really slowly yeah. moving back and they just collide there. It's like a slow battle. And it's really it's, slow. It's slow. Yeah, it's yeah. like this. Yeah, it's uh, like a slow motion, it's like, a like standoff. I, I just see yeah, this like, like st- inching forward one at a time, mm-hmm. like, and then and, and basically we got the t- cardinal T square with Mercury and mm-hmm. Libra um, over there. Right. Uh, looking at so Mercury and Libra is is part of the standoff of two domicile planets. Uh, while it has, while it has that like bold Venus and Leo behind its message, uh, too, because Venus is still in Leo at that point. Um, yeah. but it must be that Mercury goes into Mercury must be close to maximum elongation as a um, evening star around yeah. this time period because it goes into Scorpio like right around the same time, like September. September 27th, and I know that Mercury ends up retrograding back to conjoin the sun at the beginning of Scorpio. So this is also the time where Mercury's been like, yeah, Mercury's like in Libra as an evening star, kind of full evening star, and it's starting to slow down here. But I think that right before, so I guess when they actually hit off, Mercury's already in Scorpio, but right before that, the equinox when Mercury is like in Libra, um, opposing Mars, and square Saturn again. It just makes that that Libran quality of um, um, being able to have some balance, looking at both sides, really considering things. I think if um, that that Merc- Merc- Mercury and Libra kind of seeing the um, different tensions within the, the systems of the conflict or whatever is going around you, there's probably going to be a need to be some be strategic on one level or another with this. Um, well, it's prime political season at this time too, and you know everybody's got some really big choices to make because obviously the uh, the choices that are before us are not very desirable on either side. But we we've come to this like uh, you know like I don't know the, this I don't know we have to make a choice. We all know like this whole thing has to change. This is crazy. What are we going to do within it? And so I can just see everybody weighing many, many sides and then, and then expressing that because here we have a Mercury in an air sign, you know, weighing out the qualities of what, uh, you know, justice <laughs> or what right decisions or the mm-hmm. indecision, you know, caught up in the, uh, the T square of it all. Um, and, you know, and, those slow uh, Mars and Saturn, Saturn, Saturn stationing at that point. It's very interesting to me within the whole, what do you think about that? Gray, just the strength of Saturn and the strength of the two together, because they are both in their, I don't think we've talked about that at all. Um, really kind of the yeah, we have dignity. Of yeah. It. Yeah. And 
just to throw one more thing in, as that's happening, the moon is basically waxing. So like the next day we get a yeah. full moon in Aries. <laughs> so we end up getting a full moon in Mars's sign, like right at right when this is happening. Um, that's actually conjoining Chiron, but yeah, the um, so Mars. Um, I'm sorry, Saturn. Yeah, is in its own sign, um, which interestingly is also the exaltation of Mars. And then Mars is in its own sign, but interestingly, that's the fall of Saturn. Um, And then the other thing within their dynamic and how you can look at who's in the superior position within the square, Mm -hmm. as far as like sort of like who's on higher ground or the 10th position to the first position is Saturn um, in the superior position. So Saturn being superior, Mars being in its fall, I think, Saturn being in Mars' exaltation, I, th- I feel like Saturn has the leverage here in a lot of ways. And doesn't yeah. mean that, I mean, there's going to definitely be um, destruction and things, Saturnian things being um, reshaped by that extreme heat from Mars. I definitely think so, especially because we get a full moon in Aries right then i mean it's almost like a weird thing like almost like the powers of the night like the here's like the it's like the nocturnal sex it's like wow like full moon in aries mars like you know it's like gonna be bright it's gonna be getting brighter up at the sky but you know saturn is extremely strong there and it is with jupiter pluto so um um i think that you if you can think about the two i mean there's a real tension there so the 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 difficulty is even though Saturn looks like it might be in a better position, it's not like you just want to act like Saturn in the way that sometimes people can defensively become over overly rigid or like judgmental or um, that kind of negative side of Saturn. Um, I think if we can take the idea of Saturn, the more kind of mysterious Saturn that's um, out you know, the threshold guardian out, you know, the farthest out planet um, in the traditional paradigm of astrology that's, you know, out by the um, realm of the stars and the, you know, the God, the one, you know, it's, it's, it's the most liminal thing out there, out in this place, um, border between time and the timeless and um, opening to kind of more of the, the mystery of what, wants to emerge there, um, you know, keeping in mind too, that there's this real extreme fiery Aries quality that you, you know, might be bringing some great motivation to do something, but you need to kind of also be really, um, probably internally checking in considerate of what's coming up for you and how you're going to, uh, work with that. I mean, on a collective level, it does seem like there's just a lot of conflict here. Um, well, but yeah. yeah. And so that, that's, what's interesting to me, Gray, is that, um, well, first we have Saturn, you know, if Saturn's stationing direct, we have Saturn essentially emerging, right? Because it's, you so say we have the strong Saturn and it's emerging from its, you know, apparently backwards motion, mm-hmm. which, uh, and it's hard to, you know, and I've heard other astrologers talk about this. And I think Wade Caves and I talked about it on the Saturn and Aquarius episode 
um, and I know Nina Griffin's talked about this too, about, um, you know, who's Mars and who's Saturn in these situations, because we mm-hmm. can look at Saturn as, you know, the, the, the governmental structure, um, and you know, that's upholding everything, but we can also look at Saturn as, you know, marginalized people. And we know that the protests are aligned with, you know, the uprising of, you know, uh, power and rights and dignity for, you know, uh, marginalized folks. Uh, and what's interesting is that when we look back to when Saturn actually stationed to go retrograde to begin with was May 10th, right as Venus was stationing uh, to go retrograde in her own mm-hmm. journey that turned into the social unrest that you spoke about um, before. And that was very tied into why we, uh, the protests even start started to become an active part of 2020 that we're in, you know, enmeshed in still right now. And it's not going away because this is part of this year's story. So it really makes me think, um, especially with Mercury, uh, have, having been, being leading on with a T square, you know, from Libra mm-hmm. in that, in that sense. And, and, you know, with the message of justice, if that will play into an emergence of more of that or another leg of that or something. To yeah. Oh, well, definitely. I, I agree. And, um, gosh, now I can't remember when that is. Which one? We're talking about the million. They're talking about a march on Washington again, but now I'm not remembering if that was in August or September. Um, they're that. announcing that at George Floyd's funeral, but I can't remember now. I think it might actually be at the end of August, not the end of September. But anyway, I'm sure there'll be stuff. And you're right that Saturn definitely. That's a great point about. Um, it is true that. Um, I think it's is a more sort of 20th century idea of Saturn in astrology um, that sees it kind of increasingly as that idea of the power structure in the government. But definitely it is connected to marginalized people, working class people, um, people on the outskirts, people on the fringes. And as we're already talking about, there's clearly a Mars and Aries thing happening with a government in the United States, mm. with a Mars, with a with President Mars, I mean, we have like a, yeah. a we have Mars as our president, um, and um, right, and Mars is going to station trining his Mars and his ascendant, um, and so this is all going to be like trining his Mars, and um, so. Um, and he'll be getting like Saturn will be opposing all the Capricorns, like opposing his Saturn. Yeah, so there, you, you can't actually see that very. I mean, I, I, in, in this use of military, U.S. military and federal agents in the, so that you can see that there's a there's a clear way to to show that being more like Mars. I mean, I the main thing to me about it is that because Saturn and Jupiter and Pluto are in that superior position. And we know there's a, there's a new Saturn Jupiter cycle coming in in Aquarius. Um, it's great. People are protesting and making their voices heard and demanding things, but like there needs to be a way to figure out how to get this received and worked yes. into actual real um, systemic change um, in the system, in the structures because yeah. that's what's going to end up, it's going to overcome Mars. 
And and you, and because you're right, yeah, it, it is Saturn is people on the outskirts, on the marginalized. So you can totally um, there is a way to I think spin that. It's a um, case for both. Even though people will also say, well, actually, Saturn is like the dominant culture persecuting people. Like you'll people will say that too. But you can I think you can flip it around like that. Well, I guess when we're when when we've uh, over when we've overcome this, um, we'll know exactly what that looked like, and may, mm-hmm. maybe we'll find an element of of both there. Uh, now, Gray, so that um, that proposed march on Washington is slated for August twenty eighth. Okay, yeah. it's the end of August. Yeah, I can't remember. The be when uh, Mars will have just passed uh, Saturn in the square. Mm-hmm. Mercury will be opposed Neptune and Venus is exactly opposing uh Pluto. All right. While Very the moon good, is yeah. in Capricorn basically and hitting yeah, all nice. those planets. So, you know. Okay. Yeah. There we go. All lined that's up. Good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> that, that goes right in. That's working with Right in. Working with it. Yeah. Um and that's right because it's a good point when we are, you know, when we're pushing for this change and really getting it uh implemented in the way that we would like to see it long term and I know that's something that uh, Wade and I talked about on a couple podcasts ago is that, you know, you got to be careful about what you push for and when and how because sometimes the change that you are instigating becomes a change that is not as desirable uh in the in the long term. Um, um, based on right. you know and so it's that's and oh that reminds yeah. me we haven't talked about which we i was which was something we we did actually talk about in the forecast which we got right i think was just the importance of the saturn uranus square because that idea yes. you're talking right about my mind connects right into the saturn <laughs> uranus square that we did talk about I, I feel like we we did a good job talking about how that was going to be really important this year even though it wasn't fully manifesting it and we really we seriously saw that and that's coming in in 2021 but that is um that kind of i thinking that you're you're yeah like that to me totally goes in with a saturn uranus square and yeah we need to figure out a way of you know what do you really want to change to be and um um Actually, in I mentioned the kindling the need fire thing that Daniel Four is doing with it. Um, it's a weekly ritual thing for people that are involved in the ancestral healing work that he does. And in one of, I think it was one of those. I, I, anyway, I heard him say this where he talked about um, he was actually using it in a way symbolically with the idea of lighting this like need fire with like this intention. And that sometimes you need to kind of actually kind of step back um, and let the fire go. And even in terms, I thought it was a really great analogy for what's going on. Like, even if you're like wrestling with somebody, like if you're kind of putting all your momentum in it and it seems like you're getting the momentum, like the opponent could actually flip you Mm. and end up winning if you don't kind of pull back, kind of reset and rebalance. You know what I mean? So it's sort of like a, I really liked that. And um, I think it actually goes with this astrology we're talking about where there's this, it's very eruptive, but we need to kind of stick, keep our center and figure out how to steer things and guide things so that um, 
we're letting the things fall apart that need to fall apart, but we're also figuring out how to create the kind of change we do want to see. Um, Created without mold. that getting out of control, without <laughs> yeah. it getting out of control in this way that it's it's not it's turning into um, it's sort of turning into the other. It's doing that sort of entian drama. I can never say that word that Carl Jung uses about the opposite opposition, where you kind of turn into the opposite. Mm. Um, you know, you, you you know what I mean. Like you 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 start as the thing you're polarity you're in a polarized conflict with. Um, or you're one thing, but you end up becoming the other thing because you become so extreme to this one side. I feel like we were just talking about that when we were talking about like outlets and people's views and like what you, Mm -hmm. what would be this before now is like resonating with the same intensity or, you know, polarization. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, that plays Mm -hmm. right into it. Um, and, and we don't want to be flipped on our backs, right? You put all that Mm -hmm. force in and then, and then you're tired. You, you, you know, like that's the interesting thing about it. I love that analogy because if you put all your force into something, um, but then they catch you at just the right time, not only have you expended all your energy when we think about Mm -hmm. Mars too, but then you're on your back. So not only Mm -hmm. are you flipped over, but you're tired and it's Mm -hmm. harder to fight and you're not in a good position at that point. So intention is everything. I mean, just in life in general, you know, like it's a good rule of thumb to know what you're intending, especially if you're actively pursuing something, which is a Martian quality, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, well, what is your intention? Ask yourself that all the time because people uh, will, especially when we're talking about things like Mars and Aries, you know, you can blindly go through like an instinctual force that drives you forward, but why? You know, when you're, when you're moving, ask yourself why and, and, mm-hmm. and how and to what and what's, what's the actual mold. And that's really the Capricornian element is like, what are you molding together? Where are you putting all this passion and all this force towards? Because, you know, the rage will be there, the fire, you know, the, the you know, <laughs> it'll all be there. But what, going back to what you were saying, what are you trying to forge? Like, what are you using that fire for to then, you know, get the, the iron in a particular molding because that's the important part. Not the, um, cause it's easy to get caught up in the moment, right? It's a very Mars and Aries thing, but what does, what, what is the overall structure that we'd like to start because Cardinal moves, Cardinal wants to start it's an initiating force. And that's why it's such a powerful year is because there's a lot of initiatory energy that mm-hmm. is trying to start. Um, so let's just, Let's just make sure we're starting something, something good and useful here. <laughs> well, and and going back to what we what we had said, I think you may you talked to Wade about it, um, Wade Caves about the change and mm-hmm. right, and we're and then we're connecting that to the Saturn Uranus square. That's the next thing that really happens in um, October. So we get the full moon starting off the month, which is right as Saturn stationing, Pluto stationing. Mars is squaring Saturn, squaring Pluto. And uh, in the middle of the month, um, well, I guess it's before that. So actually right around the same time that's all happening, that Pluto's stationing and Mars is squaring Pluto. Um, Mercury is opposite Uranus. This is around October 7th, October 9th. And then uh, within a week on October 13th, Mercury stations retrograde in Scorpio. So then it comes back to um, oppose Uranus. And that's the same point that you were talking about earlier 
when Mercury stations retrograde opposite Uranus, we get the sun opposite uh, Mars retrograde, which is like the extreme of the um, extreme heat of its um, solar phase. And it's like the closest to us as it gets. It's as bright as it gets. Um, and so, and of course, Mercury is ruled by Mars. So we're getting Mar- Mercury stationing opposite Uranus with like, ruled by this mars which is just like yeah right that's out of control Super, yeah yeah <laughs> bright um, close and red <laughs> and then so that mercury retrograde um you know it's then retrograde um the rest of the month and um it's at the end of the month october 25th that it's um reborn reanimated regenerated in the sun at about three degrees of scorpio um and then it goes back into Libra on October 27th. But then we get this full moon in Taurus on Halloween, October 31st. That's conjoining Uranus. But at that same time, we get this, another big Uranus activation. Because Mercury just went back into Libra retrograde, that means Mercury is squaring um, oh, Saturn. Oh, Capricorn. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually get this... Um, I've been really thinking about this as, as this interesting, another kind of foreshadowing triggering of the Saturn Uranus square in a weird way. Cause basically Mercury's retrograde is like, you know, opposing Uranus comes back to square Saturn with a full moon with Uranus in the middle, <laughs> well, in the middle of it. So like there's, there's this Uranus, even though it's not Uranus Saturn square, we're actually dealing with this other thing. There's this weird way that they, they come, it's all mixed up here. Well, and they're all, like, every planet. Just, just the part where it seems very volatile. And, yeah. And, and, well, and, okay, so who else is in the mix at that time in that early, Oct- or in that mid-early October point is as Mercury is doing its first opposition to Uranus and, you know, getting ready to station and setting that up, that's when Venus in Virgo is trying Uranus. And, yeah. and on the sun... On the damn Sun Mars synodic point at nine degrees Virgo, I am really tracking this. This wow. Sun, it, it really, I'm telling you, they keep coming back to that this point, amazing. and that's yeah. that's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, here we have the social element playing into the Uranian element once again. Um, and so because that's what we're seeing here, you know, Venus. I'm telling, she's. She's doing some things. She's doing she, things this year. <laughs> yeah, so there is an interesting thing there where that's Venus in Virgo, Venus in its fall. Um, where the so sun in its own fall looks to Venus sun in its, its own fall. fall. Yep. Yeah. And it's, um, like you were saying, as Mercury's stationing, opposing Uranus, Venus comes through and trines Uranus, Uranus. sextiles Mercury. So there's actually kind of a, there is an interesting thing there where, yeah, like the social relating dynamic like you're talking about is really um at least it's in that case it's kind of harmoniously configured so there might be an interesting way to um use that in a way to get your bearings on whatever is starting to shift with that that mercury uranus opposition just because venus kind of flows through there flows through it yeah basically mediating it you know it's like mediating the opposition yeah, in a very practical way, right? Because she is the, mm-hmm. the practical Earth of Virgo there, and so yeah. we'll see. Uh, 
we'll see what happens. But I found it interesting that she's like caught up in the, caught up in the mix of that. So, you know, I think we can, it's safe to say that that early October, beginning of October through mid-October is just, there's just so much going on in, in the skies. Uh, and we know that Mercury stationing uh, opposite Uranus um, that is, it's really important just because of how Mercury then stations later in November to go direct, uh, mm-hmm. and how that's tied into our election. And we had talked about that before in the other 20, 20 and the other 2020 podcast that we did, mm-hmm. um, and how that's really tying into our own electional cycle, knowing that the day of the actual election, Mercury goes, uh, direct there in, in Libra. Um, uh, oh yeah. I don't know if it's, I know we're, we're kind of, I know we need to probably wrapping up. Yeah, we're, so we don't get as long as we did before. Yeah, um, I was going to say, though, that the last time Mars did go retrograde in Aries was on 1988. So that was... The it's, Reagan it's, year, it, or uh, Bush. Bush. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it was, it happened at different days. Um, I think it was at the end of August that it actually... Yeah, it's stationed at August 25th, retrograde, and stationed direct um, October 29th, actually at the very, very end of Pisces, um, actually squaring Saturn-Uranus and Sagittarius. And it's stationed retrograde about 12 Aries, squaring Neptune and Capricorn. But yeah, that was the uh, George Bush following Reagan um, against Dukakis, and he did run a very racist... um, campaign that used a lot of fear around um dukakis being soft on crime and these pretty racist commercials um Mm. that i think is interesting and i was also looking at that year was interesting because there's also a venus retrograde in gemini that year ah and um when venus stationed direct around the time of venus stationed direct in gemini and it it was sort of squaring mars and pisces that's when um, Public Enemy released It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. And then a couple of weeks before, kind of the beginning of August, as sort of like we're heading into now, as Mars is like slowing down to intensify before it goes retrograde, that's when NWA um, released Straight Outta Compton. Compton. <laughs> and um, you're probably old enough. I was 13. So that those were big albums. Um, I mean, to me, hip hop was the best popular music at the time. Sorry to the metal fans out there. Uh, I liked metal, but I'm, like, I I'm the metal fan. But I liked hip hop too. Hip hop was hip hop was was good in that time period. I don't think that the I think they kind of win that argument. I, I feel like it's apples <laughs> anyway, and oranges. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And actually there's a lot of other good music then that I got into kind of right after that. That was that was happening then that yeah, I was the start um, of the grunge movement too, around or like really yeah, the push of you the know. Pixies and Sonic mm-hmm. Youth, which I wasn't into right then, but I did soon after get into both those. Yeah, they were releasing yeah. really important albums up. Anyway, I thought <laughs> that was really interesting because um Straight Outta Compton was actually really notable, um, and they got a lot of um, people criticizing them for that, yeah. but that was definitely an example of people using their voice to mm-hmm. try to really bring a lot of attention to the same issue we're um, looking at right now. Um, and in fact, I 
moved to, uh, I'd grown up in Louisiana outside of New Orleans until I was 13. And that summer we moved to um, Georgia, north of Atlanta. Mm. And I started a new school um, right after that, during that Mars retrograde. Um, and my school was part of the desegregation where they were busing um, inner city um, African-American students from Atlanta to my uh, school north in the suburbs, mm. which was a good school because that's um, why my mom like wanted us to move to where mm. we moved. And so um, there was just, I was shocked. Uh, I mean, I, I'd obviously grown up around racism, but what was going on in Georgia was like on another level. And I remember there were these kids wearing like, um, those African necklaces were really popular then. And I don't remember that. There was sort of like mm-hmm. leather circle with like Africa. Yeah. And uh, people wearing Malcolm X shirts. Mm-hmm. And then all the, uh, these kids started wearing Confederates stuff. And that was something I would not seen before. Like the Confederate flag stuff to me really came out then. And there were a lot of fights um, in the halls. And um, the school ended up banning like, Malcolm X shirts. So it was really impactful to me. And I and actually I read uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X then, um, which really made a big impact on me at the time. And so I, anyway, I was just thinking about that because that was the last time Mars was retrograde in Aries. And I was like, wow, there's, I can, my 13 year old, <laughs> my 13 year old experience, like I can really, it was, it was, uh, really uh, powerful and, and like so from a public enemy and NWA um, if you weren't from those places or, or the cultures experiencing that level of um, oppression and racism, those are um, hip hop acts that really broadcasted this message um, to people, so you know, worldwide. to people like me, for example, mm-hmm. the 13 year old, right. To make you really aware of it. Yeah, yeah, so I, I thought that was really interesting. It's just a parallel. But yeah, it also it was a um it was another presidential election, which in that case it was uh the Reagan years continuing, right? Bush wins and yeah, exactly on this law enforcement message. Law enforcement message, yeah. yeah because so. that's fascinating and something to definitely take, you know, into consideration as we're talking about this stuff. These yeah, sorry, that was a no. That was, that was a great. There. That was a great story, though, Gray, because it really plays into what I love. See, I love looking at things like that, though, because mm-hmm. those kind of stories and really personalizing it, um, especially in past experience. And of course, we never relive the past completely. Thank mm-hmm. goodness. Um, but there are elements of those the cyclical motions. That, that go down. So the stories like that are, are fascinating at, to hear. And yeah. And actually the one other one would be, if you go all the way back to like 1941, which, um, you know, something I learned from Nick, actually for your viewers, if you haven't listened to Nick Dagan best, if you just Google him and look up talks, he's done He's at least been on the astrology podcast. I remember talking about Mars retrograde. It's good to do that. But uh, because of Mars's cycle of every 79 years kind of coming around, that also means there's like a sort of similar Mars retrograde 79 years ago, which would be 1941. Uh It was was off by degrees, but it's somewhat similar to this one. And that would have been like basically the Holocaust happening. And after Mars stationed direct, is when um, 
Pearl Harbor would have happened. Happen. Mm. But when we talk about the Nazis, and um, we were talking earlier about that being constellated now, and um, that was literally like the, hol- the, the Holocaust and that genocide happening at that Mars retrograde in Aries. So. Yep. C- cycles. Cycles. So we're going to cross our fingers. <laughs> but it, this is a this is a crazy. I mean, there's there's not much more you can say about it because it's there. We went into it with our first broadcast with 2020, knowing you know what it looked like through just these this analytical lens of looking at uh, transits through a, a computer printout that we get and you know cycling through the charts. But um, you know, it's it's still blowing my mind to, to, you know, because it's just, it's the first time we've really lived through anything like this. And it's such a dynamic period of time. Um, so, I mean, is there anything else that we, there's so much more that we could say, but yeah. it's like, I don't know, Gray, I might have to bring you back in like three yeah, months. And we've, already we, talked we've, to, we've already talked a lot. I mean, basically November gets stations, it's stations direct just to finish that off. It's stations direct in the middle of November. Um, Mercury stations direct at the beginning of November, Mars stations direct in the middle of November, November 13th, basically at the same time, Jupiter and Pluto conjoin, come together, and Venus is in Libra, like, squaring that. So, like, that's the part we talked earlier where when this all kind of ends. That's when we'll do our next podcast. Yeah, so we'll, Venus, that's Libra. That's when we come back, back. yeah. <laughs> finish it up there yeah uh but we are leaving people with the message of hope with the idea of the (laughs) alchemical process right because that is that's kind of the we can't um underestimate the force of that i mean you can uh you know feel overwhelmed by the lack of control in certain areas and the the world feeling that it's incredibly volatile on so many uh levels but to go back to what you said in the first place with some of the first words that you said in the first podcast that we did is the creative element and mm-hmm. you know and Kali dancing around is that can <laughs> give us this, the new beginning you know like things yeah. have to end things have to destruct they have to erupt in order for the creative start to be you know to rise from the void and that is the nature of life and so if we could just keep our minds on on that because it can be very easy to get sucked into the past and living in memory especially as we get go through cancer and capricorn transits that we are in right now and we're still finishing up um but that's the beauty of the upcoming jupiter saturn and everything moving in aquarius is that we got to look forward to the future uh and and know that right now is the time that we can really make the magic uh collectively of course and it's going to take a lot of cooperation which is not always easy with mars and aries with its own thing um but most importantly within yourself because if you start with yourself you know that's where it all you control yourself you mold your life how you want to see it and with the power that you have then it just you know it extends itself out into what the actual collective looks like so don't underestimate the power of the individual and maybe that is what i'm saying with the mars and aries message here yeah uh, yeah i i totally agree and i think if um if anyone's listening to this and you feel like we're just leaving you off because we've already talked too long, you can go back and listen to that 2020 forecast because we we did finish out the year in that forecast. So there's if you you can always listen to that if you want to hear what's 
what else happens the rest yeah. of the year. Yeah. And the very last, in the very last 30 minutes, uh, actually Gray and I went into like a pretty, um, we wrapped it up. We like went in there with some, tw- I, I, I don't know. We went on like, I can't even, there's not even words for it that I have, but if you, if you want to fast forward to the last 30 minutes and like take a listen, I think yeah, the we, synthesize the end. Yeah. We, went, we went somewhere and it, it was interesting. <laughs> and even I was like, Oh wow. Okay. All right. I like that. Um, so fast forward to that and then stay tuned for uh, the, the third time around, because you know what? 2020 is just the year where you're going to need three podcasts to talk about it. Um, so <laughs> All right, great. Well, where can people find you? Do you have any, anything going on? Anything you would like to tell the listeners? Um, yeah, go to, you can check out my site at, like I said, graycrawford.net. And if you um, like the writing and stuff, you can join my Patreon. And um, on one level, you get a lot of discounts on things. And another level, I have a monthly meeting that you can be part of that has a nice uh, community there group that meets every month. Um, the first kind of crescent light of each lunar cycle. So um, yeah, I don't have any other big public events happening right now. I'd say I am also in my own creative um, incubator right now, wanting to see what wants to come out. So Perfect. nothing else right now to announce. Hey, that's okay. You know, like, that's, <laughs> it's, it's good. We're, pu- we're pulling back in. We're pulling back in. Um, so definitely go check Gray out. And of course I always do a blog post and I'll be sure to share Gray's website and his Patreon, which I am a part of. So I'm, Oh yeah, you, know, you are. Thank the- you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Um, so join the, join the bandwagon that we're on to support Gray here in his fabulous writing. Uh, so where can you find me? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com and on Instagram at, yeah, well, and Facebook, I guess, uh, at energetic principles. Um, and I, I have my own Patreon, uh, uh, where I do weekly forecasts there, uh, which you can get to at patreon.com backslash, you guessed it, energetic principles. Um, but mostly right now I'm plugging the uh, summit that I'm going to be part of with Christina Caudill called the Astrology of Purpose and Power. Uh, that is going to be airing the for free the weekend that this episode airs. So August 7th through 9th, uh, there's going to be 18 female astrologers uh, having all these different talks. I'll be doing a live, actually I'll be doing a live segment on uh, the the rest of 2020, ironically <laughs> enough. Uh, so if you didn't hear something here, you know, maybe something will come to me then, but I'll be on a panel of some ladies talking about uh, that there too. Um, so you can find out more. I'll have a link in this podcast episode that will take you straight to the summit to register. Um, and there'll be bonuses if you want to get all access pass and have the recordings forever and support the ladies, you know, you can do that too. And I think it's uh, up until the broadcast, I think it's going to be $97 at that point. So that's pretty good for 18 talks and 18 bonuses and, and just knowing that you're supporting female astrologers, you know, woo-woo. Uh, so definitely, uh, check that out. Okay. So, all right. What else do I want to say? Well, do people need to hear this podcast? Hear us wrap it up. Hear us go into many different diverging 2020, uh, characteristics, you know, share this podcast with a friend, uh, leave a review where you listen to it so that we can be seen further, uh, and just spread the good word. 
really. And that's, that's all you can do there. So, um, and I greatly appreciate it. So does Gray. And so does every guest that has been on, uh, this is the 97th podcast episode. Oh, wow. Yes. I'm I'm excited. I know. Three. It's a tower. It's a tower number. Is it? Well, nine and seven is 16. I'm just all, I'm saying that. Well, that's so nine, funny. Nine because, plus seven is 16. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm going to say this real quick, just because you said that Mars in being tied to the uh, 79 as a cycle, right? Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Mars ruled person. I was born 7979, wow. putting it out there for people. And so 79 and 97 yeah. are a number. This is, it's a special number. When it's I saw that. And when I saw that you were on my 97th episode, I just knew I had like, there, I had a feeling. I was like, I feel good about this. Um, so I'm just putting it out there with that, that 7997 energy. So oh, I'm honored to be the number 97. Hope you keep, keep doing it. You've done a great job uh, bringing oh. people onto your, your podcast. Thank you, Gray. I appreciate that. Uh, and especially uh, the summit airs August 7th through 9th. Look at that. Just keeps coming up. So thank you for being a part of it. For this is the, is this the fourth time you joined me, Gray? I think so. Oh, wow. I think so. I think it's three. I think it's a third. Are you sure? Yeah, I think. All right. I think it's a third. Well, we'll go three. In, yeah. in my mind, I think four. Maybe I'm looking to the future. I'm yeah. always out there in the visions. <laughs> so, all right, Gray. Thank you again for joining me. And thank you for tuning in to our marathon podcast that Gray and I tend to do with our Gemini energy. We really do appreciate you listening to us. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.